I love to sing. Now, I'm not a good singer. If you've ever been around me, you don't want to hear that. But I love to sing. I sing in the shower. I'll sing in the car. Uh, my boys were asking me the other day, like, Dad, how do you know all the lyrics on the radio? Like, every song that comes up, I'm like, the key is turning into the station where I know all the songs, like classic rock, you know. So you put it on a new station, and I'm probably not going to know any of the songs that are on there. But uh, um, it's really fun to do that. Uh, I think it just brings me lots of joy and, and expression. My son, Nathan, who's a rising sixth grader, also likes to sing in the shower, sing around the house. We make up songs about our dog, Bella. And so... Uh, you know, there's something powerful about singing and music. And I just invite you to think about some of your favorite songs in life. Those songs that bring you great joy and that you just want to really sing with your hearts. Like when we come to, to worship and the choir leads us in hymns and things like that. Or uh, songs that remind you of your true love or, or a special time in your life. Or those songs that have helped you get through difficult times. Right? Maybe it's a song that makes you cry, but you just needed to cry. Or maybe it's a song that helps you rage against the machine and, and all the frustrations in your life, some heavy metal or hard rock and roll. Or what are those songs in your life that help you get through life? I don't know about you, but I can hear a song that I haven't heard in 20 or 30 years, and it takes me back to the exact moment when I first heard it. And that was either a good moment or it was a challenging moment, but that song is imprinted into the soul of my body where it just takes me back. And music is such a great gift from God. What are those songs in your life that lift you up, that get you through those challenging times? That's going to be the focus of our sermon series over the next several Sundays. We did this last year. Again, it's backed by popular demand. We're going to look at songs that have deep meaning. Some of these songs are going to be church songs. They're going to be songs that are familiar that, that we sing as congregations. Some of these songs are going to be songs that you heard on the radio and you think, that's not a song that I would probably hear in church. Why are we doing that? Because we believe in God's prevenient grace. That means God is at work before we know it. And I think in a lot of music out in the world that, that people don't even consider to be religious at all, God is in the lyrics in the music underneath the meaning and speaking to our souls and to our hearts. And so we're going to explore that again. So wherever I'm preaching live, we're going to have the song of the day and that will go with the message. And so today we're in traditional, so it'll be more of a traditional type service uh, song. And next week I'll be in modern. And so we'll kind of do that back and forth. What are the songs that speak to your heart, that speak to your soul? We're going to look at those and how they can connect us to Scripture. All right, so today we're going to look uh, in a song that goes way back in its history to the Bible. Uh, we're going to go into the Old Testament. We're going to be in the 6th century before Jesus, right? So about five, almost 600 years before Jesus, in the 500s B.C., all right, we're going to be in the land of Israel, right, the land of God, and the people of Israel are in some major trouble. Right, they have been uh, worshiping other false gods, worshiping idols. They've kind of betrayed God, and some bad stuff has happened to them. A foreign nation called Babylon has come in, and they have destroyed the Israelites. They have gone into the capital city of Jerusalem. They've knocked the walls down. They've knocked down the temple where people, people worship. They have... Uh, pillaged and raped and killed all kinds of people and they've taken the people of Israel lots of them the best and the brightest into captivity from Israel into Babylon where they're going to assimilate them 
We're going to make you into Babylonian citizens. And your, your children after you are going to be Babylonians. Forget about Israel where you came from. Right? So Israel experienced like a total death uh, occurrence. Right? This total death happenstance in their life. And it's a bad time for the people of Israel. Right? And we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel, right, in the Old Testament. Uh, and before we get into that scripture, though, I just want to show you a picture of um, a reconstruction of the city of Jerusalem before it fell. This is actually in Israel now, and you can see some people in the background, the tourists. But this would have been kind of a, a mock-up of the, of the city of Jerusalem. You see that it has walls all the way around it. Uh, and right in the forefront, in the middle there, you see that big building kind of with two courtyards. Right? So that's the religious temple where people worship God uh, and then the cities around it. So you can see how important the temple was. It was the center of Jerusalem. It's where everything happened, God-related. Uh, and the people of Israel began to believe that God actually lived in that center building, the temple. Right? This temple stood for 400 years. Right? King Solomon built this temple, David's son. And so obviously God is beyond like one geographic location, but the people of Israel got so used to going to the temple and worshiping that they really believed that God was present in the temple. So now they're at a theological struggle, right? They don't know what to do. Jerusalem's destroyed, the temple's destroyed. Does that mean that God's dead or that we'll never see God again, right? They're really freaking out and you got to imagine right they, they've had people murdered raped killed all that kind of stuff they've been taken into captivity it's not a good time for the people of Israel it's a rough time they're wondering even if God's still around if God can do anything and so they're in a bad spot so there's a man named Ezekiel that he and his family were a priestly he grew up in a priestly family and they were deported from Israel 10 years before Jerusalem fell, right? So this was a long time. So Ezekiel and his family, right, are taken into Babylon. Ezekiel means God strengthens or God's strength. Uh, and so he's been 10 years in Babylon. He's married. Uh, and on the first day that the Babylonians set a siege around the city of Jerusalem, Ezekiel's wife dies, right? So that's not a good situation. And God begins to speak to Ezekiel, and he wants Ezekiel to be a prophet. A prophet is a person who speaks for God. God gives them a message, and then they speak that message to the people of Israel. So God gives Ezekiel amazing messages. He gives them all of these visions, like crazy stuff that you might see in the book of Revelation. And some of it actually shows up later in the book of Revelation in different ways. And so Ezekiel gets these visions from God, and then he's supposed to take them to the people of Israel. Okay, and so we're going to read today one, or actually two of the visions. We're going to start off with the first vision we're going to share is Ezekiel talking about this vision that he sees of like this heavenly thing, okay? And it's going to sound really weird and strange. And so if you're a visual learner, you might want to just look at the words as I read them. If you're an auditory learner, you might want to close your eyes and try to imagine what this looked like. This is some freaky stuff that Ezekiel sees. And just remember the context that he finds himself in. People think God might be dead, God might be missing, they're in captivity, lots of bad stuff is going on. So this is Ezekiel. I looked and I saw beside the cherubim, right? these are those angelic kind of things. Uh, we see them as cute little cherubs at Valentine's, but they're probably a little bit bigger and stronger kind of things. But uh, So there are these angel-like figures. Uh, 
beside the cherubim four wheels. One beside each of the cherubim, the wheels sparkled like topaz. As for their appearance, the four of them looked alike. Each was like a wheel intersecting a wheel, a wheel within a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the cherubim faced. The wheels did not turn about as the cherubim went. The cherubim went in whatever direction the head faced without turning as they went. Their entire bodies, including their backs, their hands, and their wings were completely full of eyes, as were the four wheels. And I heard the wheels being called the whirling wheels. They were moving. Each of the cherubim had four faces. One face was that of a cherub, one, the second the face of a human being, the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. Then the cherubim rose upward. These were the living creatures I had seen by the Kibar River. Right? This is a river where Ezekiel is in captivity, right? in Babylon. Right? When the cherubim moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the cherubim spread their wings to rise from the ground, the wheels did not leave their side. And when the cherubim stood still, they also stood still. And when the cherubim rose, they rose with them. Because the spirit of the living creatures was in them. Then the glory of the Lord departed over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. Remember, they thought God lived at the temple. Right? So the glory of the Lord departed over the threshold of the temple. God's going outside of the temple. Remember that. That's important. And stopped above the cherubim. While I watched the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground, and as they went, the wheels went with them. They stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, right, that big temple that we saw, and the glory of the Lord, of the God of Israel, was above them. These were the living creatures I had seen beneath the God of Israel by the Kibar River, and I realized that they were cherubim. Each had four faces and four wings, and under their wings was what looked like human hands. Their faces had the same appearance as those I had seen by the Kibar River. Each one went straight ahead. So what's happening here? It has this vision of these angelic figures, and they're on these wheels, and there's a lot about cherubim and wheels in this passage, right? It's kind of a weird passage. But what did it say? The presence of the Lord went past the threshold of the temple. What do these wheels symbolize? God is mobile. God is not tied to a geographic location. The temple's destroyed, but guess what? God's not destroyed. God is with those wheels, and God can go anywhere. So the people who are in Babylon, who are in captivity, who are in slavery, who are being assimilated, whose families have been killed and left for dead, who are now away from Israel, is there any hope? Is there anything that we can look forward to? Has God abandoned us? Ezekiel has the answer. God is with you. God is mobile. You're four-wheeling with God, right? Nothing can separate you from God. This is a powerful vision. Imagine if that happened, if another country came in and defeated America and destroyed our Capitol buildings and, and killed and, and hurt many of our families and took us away into another country and said, you're no longer Americans, now you're going to be in this country. We would wonder, where is God in this? Right? Where is God? God is with you. Even in the difficult times, God is mobile. God will be with you in the hard times of your life. This had to have been hopeful words to the people of Israel. And so a question for you today is, where do you need God in your life? 
Where do you need God to go with you? What difficult circumstance are you experiencing now that you need God to be with you? Is it at work? Is it at home? Is it with a bully? Is it with a battle with a, a disease or an illness? Where do you need God to be mobile to go with you? To know that God is always with us. No matter what those terrible circumstances are, God is mobile. God's on those four wheels. God is moving. And it was good news to the people of Israel. I want to jump to some American history now. And we're celebrating the 4th of July. Obviously, we're grateful for our freedom. We're grateful for the opportunity to worship God together in the ways that we feel led. Uh, we also recognize that not everyone in America has been free as long as some of the others, right? We have 400 years of history of slavery uh, in America. Before we were a country, when we became a country, and after we became a country, right? And so as uh, the men and women who were, who were stolen from Africa, forced over to become Amer to America to work on plantations and to be slaves and to be split up and to then have children that would become slaves and seen as property 400 years going through very difficult times different than the Israelites but also similar not in control of your life someone has dominated you right 400 years and as the slaves used to work in the fields and, and harvesting and doing all of the hard backbreaking work they used to sing songs they're known as spirituals. We now retroactively call them African-American spirituals. And, and a couple of things were going on when the, when, the, when the slaves were singing these songs. Uh, John and I were talking about it today, um, about how sometimes, depending on what song you were singing, it was a code. Like, hey, we're going to meet tonight to talk about this, meet down by the tree. Or you sing this one song, it means the Underground Railroad is running tonight, right? So the songs would be a, a, a symbol uh, to, to say something to everyone that the slave owners right, couldn't understand. Right? So that was, it was a code. Right? But also some of the songs were to bring hope, to lift up things and, and help the people who were slaves have hope and, and to have some kind of emotional anchor. Kind of like when we listen to our songs, we have emotional anchors. Right, and so our song of the day today is called Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. Okay, Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. Why would that image be powerful for the, the many thousands or millions of slaves who sang it in the 400 years or whatever of slavery? Because God is with us. God is with us when we're enslaved. God is with us when we are beaten. God is with us when our families are torn apart. God is with us. And no matter what someone can do to us, they can't take God away from us. Right, so let's look at some of the lyrics from the song that we'll hear the choir sing later today. Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the air. Remember, that's what we saw in scripture. Ezekiel saw the wheel way in the middle of the air. The big wheel run by faith and the little wheel run by the grace of God, the wheel within the wheel. Tis the wheel in a wheel way in the middle of the air. There are a lot of different verses uh, for Ezekiel song, saw the wheel wherever they were sung across the, the hundreds of years, but the chorus is typically always the same. Here's some verses that we'll hear today. Some go to heaven to sing and shout way in the middle of the air. Before six months, they all turn out way in the middle of the air. I'm not sure what the six months is about, but looking forward to celebrating in heaven. Uh, if faith was a thing that money could buy way in the middle of the air, the rich would live and the poor would die way in the middle of the air. Right? And we know 
Rich people can go to heaven, poor people can go to heaven, absolutely. But poor slaves, this was probably hope for them, right, that, that we can make it into heaven, even without any money. Here's another verse. It's not going to be sung today, but who's that yonder dressed in red way up in the middle of the air? It must be the children that Moses led way in the middle of the air. Why would that verse be helpful? Because Moses led who? What? Slaves, the Israelite slaves out of captivity in Egypt into the promised land. So this Ezekiel saw the wheel was a song of hope. Hey, things are not going well. This is, this is hard. This is a hard life. It's a horrible life. But God is with us. And God loves us. And we will not forget that. It's powerful. In your life, where do you need God to go with you? In your struggles, where do you need God to stand up for you and let you know that you are not alone? That wheel of Ezekiel's, that wheel of God is with you as well. Well, let's look at another vision that Ezekiel has for the people of Israel. Remember, they were worried that they were done, right? Is our nation going to stand ever again? Will we get back home? Can we rebuild Jerusalem? Can we rebuild the temple? Are we going to be forever Babylonians in captivity, right? So let's see what else Ezekiel sees. And again, you might want to read this with your eyes. You might want to close your ears and try to imagine this. This one's a little easier to imagine than all the wheel stuff that we just read. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, like human bones, skeletons. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is a powerful vision. And if you're Ezekiel, you're probably freaking out because all of a sudden all these dead bodies are coming back to life. Right? The light, night of the living dead before there were any movies. Right? It's like, whoa, what's going on here? Right? But this is powerful. Right? The people of Israel, has God forgotten us? Right? Or we've got the wheel, 
Right? God's with us, but are we ever going to get out of Babylon? Are we ever going to see our home again? Is there ever going to be another Israel? Is there going to be another temple? Right? What's going to happen? And God sends this message to Ezekiel. Absolutely. You will become a nation again. God will breathe new life into you. You will go back and you will rebuild the temple. And, and from you, something good is going to come. Right? So the people of Israel will have a remnant. They're not dead. They will be restored. The dry bones will come to life. And of course, this is also foreshadowing what? Jesus. Jesus comes from the land of Israel. Jesus will die. Jesus will come back to life so that you and I can be restored into a right relationship with God. So this is a forerunning prophecy for Jesus and his death and his resurrection ultimately come from this. But in the moment, it's about Israel being restored. What in your life needs to be restored? What dry bones in your life need to have the breath of God blown into them? Maybe it's a relationship that has fallen apart. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with uh, emotionally. Right? What is it in your life that you need God to breathe new life into? As a congregation, we went through this. When we first started out, we were uh, sharing United Methodist Church. We were in the sharing community. We were reaching so many people for Jesus. And then somewhere along the way, sharing community became the South Park community. And we didn't make that shift. And we began to decline. And over the past few years, we've been working again to let God breathe new life into our dry bones. And it's happening, right? We've redone our campus. We, we're reaching more people for Jesus. We're growing again. And so we have seen God at work in the midst of our very own congregation. Where do you need to see God breathe the Holy Spirit's life into some dry bones? As we think about 400 years of slavery finally ended, right? And we celebrated that just last month on Juneteenth as we celebrated the last slaves who were finally freed in America, right? Finally, we saw the restoration of people in our country. But we also still wrestle with racism and white supremacy that's still alive and well. And so while some of the dry bones have come back, there are still more dry bones that we need to work for. In your life, what dry bones need to have the breath of God blown into them? Where do you need restoration? Where do you need a second chance? Where do you need a second start? Remember the vision of Ezekiel. It's not just for the Israelites thousands of years ago. It's for you and for me as well. And maybe that's a spiritual renewal that we need to see in our relationship to God. Now, we do have to face some hard facts today. There are some who see restoration on the earth in this life. Some people of Israel made it back to the, to the land of Israel. Some of their descendants made it back, rather, to the, the land of Israel. Right? Some people were slaves one day and free the next day. But a lot of people in Israel died from the Babylonians. A lot of people in slavery died being separated from their families. There are a lot of people in the Ukraine who are going to die before the war with Russia is over. Right? There are some hard facts that there's, there are a lot of things in our lives that we don't see restored in this world. Thankfully, we have heaven to look forward to where God makes everything right and everything perfect. But sometimes in this world, we don't see the restoration that we want or we think should happen. And that's where we got to go back to that first vision, that even in the midst of stuff that's not going to be solved in the way that we want to see it solved in this world, that God is with us. 
and the wheel is with us, and God will work to bring some kind of good into our lives. But I want to throw out another maybe idea in the midst of this. When we see that there are certain things in the world that might not be restored in our lifetime, maybe God's calling us to be an Ezekiel, to say, you know what? If there's enough of you who take interest in this and do something about it, then maybe we can change something in our lifetime. When those dry bones came back to life, what were the main components? They had God, right? They had the Holy Spirit, the breath of the Holy Spirit, and they had Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel was God's agent. Ezekiel helped breathe the Holy Spirit into the dry bones. I think that each and every one of us, in some form or fashion, are an Ezekiel. That God wants us to breathe new life into things that need it in our world. That you and I can fight racism when we see it. When we hear racist jokes, when we say racist hiring practices, when we have racist systems, we can do something about that. When we see people who are hungry in our world, we can do something about that. When we see people who are not being educated in our world, we can do something about that. When we see people who don't have the love of Jesus in their life, we can do something about that. So I would just challenge you to think about, to pray about, God, give me a sense of urgency for one thing that needs the breath of the Holy Spirit blown into it, and use me, God, to do that. We can't all solve every issue in the world. What is the one thing burning in your heart, right? God, help me to breathe new life into these dry bones in this situation, right? Sometimes we don't see restoration in the world because a lot of us, Choose not to follow the call of Ezekiel that God gives to us. God says, I want you to fight this. I want you to do something. How many times do we look the other way? Right? What if we said, okay, God, I know it's going to be hard, but I want to be an Ezekiel. You've put something on my heart. Put me to work. Help me to breathe life into this dry bone. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? There's a couple things today. All right, so uh, I would say the first is, right, we're going four-wheeling with God, right? Get your mud flaps on, get your four-wheeler ready, right? We are never alone. Wherever we go, God's with us. When we're in good circumstances, God's with us. When we're in hard circumstances, God goes with us. God was with the people in slavery. God was with the people of Israel. If you're in a tough situation right now, God is with you. Take comfort in that, right? And the second thing is that dry bones can live, right? Systems that are broken, right? relationships that are torn apart, right? Dry bones can live with the breath of the Holy Spirit. So if you have dry bones in your life, don't give up on them, right? So I invite you today to think about doing three things this week, action steps moving forward, okay? Right? First would be uh, to look for God, right? If you're in a tough spot, tough situation, look for God. God, I might not see you right now, but I'm asking you to show yourself, you showed yourself to Ezekiel. You showed yourself to people who were in slavery. God, I'm in a difficult circumstance. Show me your presence in my life and know that God is with you. Look for God. All right? The second thing is walk in the Holy Spirit. All right? When we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, right, we also get this great big bonus of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's God who is in us, who walks in us. We, we are led by the Spirit. Right? God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. The Holy Spirit lives in us, followers of Jesus. Before we can share the Spirit, we need to experience the Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit. And then finally, speak life into the dry bones in your life. What are those dry bone situations in your life? 
And how is God calling you to be in Ezekiel? To blow some fresh life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something that you just know that's wrong that's happening at work or at school or in your neighborhood. How can you speak God's life breath into some dry bones? So last Sunday afternoon, uh, I had the rare privilege of going to uh, a blessing of a house um, that is actually a safe house uh, for one of our ministry partners in town. Uh, Dahlia Grove is a group, uh, it's a ministry here in Charlotte that they work with women who have been human trafficked as sexual slaves in our city. And once they're rescued from that, Dahlia Grove takes them to a safe house. It's, it's a secret place where they help these women get their lives back in order. Help them deal with that emotionally, deal with that spiritually, begin to look for employment opportunities, get their feet on the ground where they have a place to stay, they stay free, they get their lives back together. Right? Your generosity makes this possible. Right? The sad thing is they have so many women, they needed to expand to a second house. So now there are two houses that are in the area. And so uh, there's a lady in our church named Bonnie who is uh, the chair of their uh, nonprofit board. And she and I went to uh, this um, blessing of this safe house. Uh, and we went room to room and we had different you know, blessings from different pastors from other churches to support them, church members like Bonnie who went. And then they had some of the residents who were actually there, women who have been rescued from human trafficking, uh, some of the women are, are also fighting addictions uh, to alcohol and drugs. And so they started off the ceremony and they asked if any of them wanted to speak and one of the women raised her hand and she'd only been in the program for five days. And she began to break down in tears. And she said, I am grateful that I don't have to perform any more sexual acts. She said, I am grateful that I'm in now alcoholic recovery. Her sponsor was there, her AA sponsor was there. She said, I never knew that I could be loved like this. Never knew that someone could love me for who I am and just give me all this help. And she said, I would like to thank God. It broke me down, it broke Bonnie down, right? And, and you make that possible, right? As you are Ezekiel's that we gave to the Christmas Eve offering, we support Dahlia Grove, where next month, or actually this month in July, there's a walk-a-thon where you can walk uh, like 26 miles on your own in the course of the month and get donations to go to Dahlia Grove. You can see that in our newsletter. Uh, in August, we're going to have a concert here, uh, and we're going to take up a love offering. The money's going to go to Dahlia Grove. Right? Your generosity makes that possible. You talk about someone who needs the wheel, someone who is forced into sexual acts every day right, and doesn't want to do that, right? who's addicted to alcohol and drugs to keep them in that cycle. Right? You talk about dry bones coming to life like it happened right in front of my eyes. And that's the good news of Jesus. That's the good news of South Park Church. That's us feeling a sense of urgency to be Ezekiel's in our community. I just want to thank you. As your pastor, it just warms my heart and makes me feel so great that we have a congregation that wants to make a difference. Right? We are never alone. God is always with us. Dry bones can come to life. Look for God. Right? Look for God. Walk in the Holy Spirit. And breathe that Holy Spirit into, into the dry bones in your life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.